Our scripture lesson this morning is from the Gospel of St. Mark, the, seventh, uh, the 10th chapter. It begins at verse 17. And as Jesus was setting out in his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good but God alone. Now you know the commandments. Do not kill. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And the man said to him, Teacher, all, I, all these I have observed from my very youth. And Jesus looked toward him and had pity on him and said to him, Well, you lack one thing. Go sell what you have and give to the poor, and then you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. At that saying, his countenance fell, and he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. And Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were exceedingly astonished, and they said to him, Then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, With men it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. Dear friends in Christ, grace and peace be on you from God our Father, from our Lord, and from our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I've always been intrigued by this passage because at one, on the one hand, it seems that it's aimed at the rich and not at me. Although I have personal riches, as do most of you, far beyond anything anyone in Galilee had at the time of Jesus. I've also been wondering why Jesus was so harsh to this young man. He didn't ask anyone else to do this, except he did. So let's go into that for just a second, because this young man came to Jesus the way I think many of us come to Jesus. He came to Jesus seeking a transaction. What must I do to inherit eternal life? Because there must be something I can do. And Jesus basically said to him, no, there is nothing you can do. You know, I was a... As a young pastor, I, a very young pastor, my first funeral was for a woman named Helena Dirks. And Helena didn't come to church, but she was a friend of a fellow parishioner. And I was summoned to her house. And I came in, and Helena, first thing she did at 10 in the morning, she offered me a glass of blackberry schnapps. And then she asked me some questions like, uh, Do you, uh, do you want me to do anything before you, before you bury me? Do, you, do I have to confess or do something? I said, no, Helena, just let's talk for a while, but you don't have to do anything. And she said, well, that's good. Because you see, I had another young pastor who came to me, and he said, have you been saved? And I said, yes, when I was three years old. And he said, that's not good enough. Well, it was good enough for me. So I sent him packing, because if my baptism isn't good enough for him, then I'm not good enough for him either. It was kind of the same story, you see. We come to Jesus really without anything except God's grace. 
but we want to have something to earn our way, to make us feel secure, to make us feel that we've done what we need to do so that Jesus and I, that God and I are on a bargaining basis. But Jesus says you can't do that. You can't do that. There's nothing you can do. You can be as good as you want to be. You can give away part of what you have. But in the end, there is nothing we can give God except all of us. And when you think about it, when you think about it, we come into the world with nothing. You know this story. We come into this world with nothing. We leave this world with nothing. But it's true. I'm probably closer to the end of my life than many of you are. But you look ahead and you look at your friends who are passing on and everything we own, you know, all of our possessions, at one point or another are going to be taken away from us. Maybe because we can no longer see well enough to drive, maybe because we no longer have enough money to support them. Our possessions will go, our friends, I'm afraid I've lost too many already, but our friends are not going to be here forever. Our homes will not be here forever. At some point, we're going to lose everything we have and that little bit we have left may be put in the ground in the form of a box. You see, all of our possessions, although they might bring us great joy, don't bring us security and don't bring us any kind of safety or they just don't do anything in the long run. It gives, it gives us something to enjoy while we're here. And I think that's what Jesus was trying to say to this young man. Well, you really want to be a follower of God, but as long as you put something in the place of your faith, as long as you put possessions in the place of your faith, and we could go on, as long as you put religious doctrine in the place of your faith, as long as there's something that we hold on to and will not give to God, then we will never have the sense of freedom that comes from being believers. We know that by the people who actually are saintly and godly. Mother Teresa comes to mind. Uh, we just give up everything in order to serve the poor. They find a peace. They find a joy. But it doesn't come from what they can do or from what they have. It comes from trusting that God will be with them. Even though they make mistakes, God will be with them as long as is they're willing to trust. And I think that's the message from this morning. We really want to be able to let go of all the stuff that gets in the way, even in the end, to let go of our life itself in the faith that God holds us in his hands and will be with us. And once we're able to do that, we're going to find the peace we look for. But it's really hard to do, except for one thing, with God, Everything is possible. And that is the good news. Thanks be to God. Could we pray? Dear Lord, we do thank you. We thank you for your church and for all your people. We thank you for the faith you give us. We thank you for giving us the opportunity to hear your word and to sing your praises. We lift our prayers, Lord, for the hungry, for the homeless, and for all those who suffer, for the victims of wars and natural disasters, for those who are in hospitals and other healthcare facilities, for those who are disabled by physical and mental illness, we offer our prayers. As always, we offer our prayers for those who help. 
for the medical personnel and the firefighters and the police officers and utility workers and the teachers and the shopkeepers and all those who give of their lives to make ours safer and more convenient. We give you thanks. We pray for our president and for our governor, for all the men and women in the armed forces. And we pray for one another that we may each find your peace and your joy. We do this in the name of Jesus who taught us to pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. And now, may the Lord bless you and keep you and make God's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up the light of God's countenance upon you, give each of you God's peace. Thank you for watching this. We hope you have a blessed week.